Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, family, if you got a Bible, go ahead and meet me in uh, Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 10 through 13. We're going to continue in our struggle is real, but dot, dot, dot series. Well, we're going to walk through today this struggle with, with power. If you've missed any of these, struggle with comfort, struggle with control, all of these ones we've walked through uh, throughout the last several weeks, I, I promise you, it, it'll be a breath of fresh air to you. It'll be challenging. It'll be encouraging to you. Uh, it's been, it's been, it's been messing with my heart. And and the reality is, is that as we're talking about struggles, uh, you know, one of the ideas I wanted to have us uh, uh, us walk through here is that we want to see real people with real struggles walking still with Jesus in this life. So the struggle is real for all of us. And in a pandemic. I like to say the covers of our heart have kind of been pulled back a little bit to where we, it's been exposed a bit. We have to deal with some. We have to deal with some struggles, and so that's what this series is. Where as we walk through it, how do we deal with the struggles that exist in our heart? Again, Philippians chapter four, verses ten through thirteen. If you got to go ahead and write, got it in the chat. I'll wait. All right, you got it. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. Here now, the reading of God's word, starting in verse 10. The text reads, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Very word of God. Amen. Today, again, I want to talk about the struggle with power. Struggle with power. Before we go any further, let's pray. Father. I come to you as humbly as I know how to just say right now, one thing I say every week as I preach the word is that you would hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus, so that you may be lifted up in this place. God, decrease me so that you can increase. You're a good God. Let your word fall afresh in your people this morning. And it's in Christ's name we all said together. Amen. Amen. Well, family, if I'm honest with you, this struggle, the struggle with power, ambition, it's a real one for me. This is a real struggle for me. Since I was a kid, there's always been this inner drive in me to want to be the best. It's always been there to be, want to be the best, want to climb this hill, want to take on this task, want to be the better than anybody else. So in my head, I would always say to myself, I got to work harder than that person. I have to work, work harder than the next person. So if you got an A, guess what? I'm going to get an A plus. Oh, oh, you beat me in a race like running. I'm going to train harder. And next time I guarantee I'm going to win. Oh, you think you're more skilled on the court than me in basketball? Well, you might be, but I'm going to work harder than you. 
and I bet you won't beat me. See, there's always been this, this ambition, this, this power to take on any heel kind of spirit within me, if I'm honest with you this morning. So I was, I was watching the, the Last Dance documentary. Many of you guys watched it. And I'm watching this, and I, I'm looking at the last Bulls championship. Oh, I remember the 90s, man. And, but this last run, and, and I'm listening to MJ talk about his drive and this mentality to win at all costs and to, to be the best at whatever he put his mind to or his hands to. That, I'm like, I can resonate with that. that. That's me. But as many of us saw in this documentary, there, there's a really dark side to having ambition and this, this power, this, this drive, because many times the person that struggles with power can feel as if they're invincible. They can even be seen as invincible. Are you superhuman? Are you, in, are you Batman or Superman? I mean, we, we think of that person that way. Many of us thought of MJ that way. I mean, they can be isolated and not even know it. They can run over people and not recognize it. They can do things that are detrimental to themselves and others in the long run. There is a dark side to this power trip that many of us don't recognize because like MJ, when that person that has a power struggle or or has this ambition, this drive, they they have many accomplishments that are added onto or, or they have all these things that they've done in their lives. And because of that, we take notice of that. But you know what we miss? We overlook their flaws. We miss the dark side. And, and, and maybe you can't follow me with MJ, though. So let me, let me take it biblically. Let's go to the Bible a little bit. You, y'all remember King David? King David. King David was the most powerful man in the land at the time. Second Samuel chapter 11. My man is supposed to be out at war. He's supposed to be out with his army fighting on the battlefield because that's what kings did at the time. But instead, my man David says, I'm going to stay in my palace this time. I'm going to stay in my home. That's power. That's power. And while he's sitting on his terrace, he's looking over the back balcony and he sees this woman named Bathsheba. She was splish splash taking a bath, y'all. She fine. And that man was stricken by her. He was like, okay, okay, let me, let me get one of my servants. And, and, and he said, and, and notice David here in this moment, he doesn't go get Bathsheba. He says to his servants, go get that woman for me. Power. Brings this woman into his bedroom. She's a married woman, lays with her. That's power. He then finds out he gets her pregnant. He brings her husband to his place and he says, look, look, Uriah, you got to go sleep with your wife right now. And Uriah refuses because he's an honest man of God. And he said, no, 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 no. I got to be with my my people. I got to be with the army. I can't be at home sleeping with my wife when I'm supposed to be out here. David hears this and he tells his man Joab, he says, look, look, I I need you to put Uriah at the front lines. I I need him to die. Power. To cover up his mess. Family, do you do you see the ugliness of power? There, there's a dark side. I mean, it seems very great in the beginning, and people even praise you. I mean, look at David, he's the king. 
But hear me, when, 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 when this power struggle goes unchecked, it can take you down this spiraling hole that's hard to get out of because power tells you that you and your own strength can get you out of that hole. But subsequently, sadly, it makes you go deeper and deeper, farther into that hole because the person that, pow- that struggles with power, don't miss this, they don't know how to stop going. They don't know how to give up. All they know is winning. All they know is work harder. See, the person that struggles with power has to have this internal barometer within them that says, look, you've gone too far. Or or they have to have accountability or people around them that are not enamored with them that they respect and will listen to them and tell them, look, look, man, you've gone way too far off the path. I mean, and you see this in the Bible. When you look at David, that, that's if it hadn't been for, for my man Nathan, the prophet coming to David in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Look, I don't even know if David would have listened to anybody else. I mean, David, David was the most powerful man in the land. He's on, on a power trip right now. He's, he can do whatever he wants, as I've already explained. But, but he respected Nathan. Nathan's a prophet. Nathan comes to him in in chapter 12 and he tells him about what he did. And y'all, I don't know if it had not been for him, if if David would have repented. But hear me, I don't want you to get wrapped up in David's struggle too much, because as I'm explaining this, the reality is, is that all of us, we struggle with power on one way, on one level or another. All of us have this power thing within us, especially in the midst of a pandemic that none of us can control. I know I'm in someone's neighborhood. Let me ask you this. How many of us, how many of you have been angry or frustrated in the midst of this pandemic? Y'all been mad at the pandemic. Come on now. Be honest with me this morning. How many of you have been mad? You can't make something happen right now. You can't figure it out. Your normal is gone and you're just mad. That's a power issue. We don't know when this thing will end. And if we try to remedy the storm of a pandemic in our own power family, hear me, it will drive you crazy or it will drive you to places that you don't want to go or make you go to places or run to places like David that you know you have no business being. So today, as we look at this scripture, I, I want us to discuss the real remedy. And I want you to ponder the question of, what do I do when there's something in front of me that I feel like I can achieve? There's, there's something that I, 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 I think I can make happen, but in actuality, that thing that you think you can make happen, happen it's, it's much bigger than you think. It's out of your power. It's out of your control. You can't do it. What, what do you do when that happens? See, today, what I want to tell you is that the remedy to a power struggle, don't miss this, is contentment. The remedy to a power struggle is contentment. And secondly, it's having the ability or, or having the humility, if you want to say, to be dependent on God. It's contentment and having the ability or the humility, I mean, to be dependent on God. Now, as we get into the text this morning and these verses right here, 10 through 13, uh, right before this, Paul is exhorting the Philippian church to pray about everything. He's saying, don't don't be anxious. Just pray about everything. And with this, he leads into the verses for today saying, I rejoiced greatly for you. 
because you were indeed concerned for me, but you essentially had no opportunity to come to me. But you see this in, in verse 10. And when you read it quickly, it, it can read almost as if Paul is rebuking the Philippian church for saying, why you ain't come to me? You, you knew I was struggling. struggling. Why didn't you come to me? But, but, but if you read it closely and you do some actual uh, study on it, you'll see that Paul is he's really thanking them. He's saying, thank you for your concern, and I know you wanted to help me, but because of my great circumstances, you weren't able to come to me. And see, this leads into where we're going in this passage today. Again, Paul, he's, he's not necessarily in a good space. In fact, at the time, he's in prison right now. When he's writing this letter, he's in prison. But, but look at what he says. As he's in prison, he says in verse 11, basically, although my situation looks bleak, I'm good, for I, I, I've learned to be content. Wow. Now, if you read these verses, verses 10 through 13, the wrong way, you'll read them as if I have the power to do whatever I put my mind to. I can do everything with my hands because Christ is on my side. I know I just stepped into someone's kitchen right now because that's commonly how we read this. I got God on my side. I can do everything uh, through Christ who strengthens me. Y'all, we abuse these verses and we take them out of context. We assume that Paul is making this comprehensive statement about the ability or the spiritual ability of a Christian now that Jesus is on your side. Like like I can do all things because it, there's nothing I can't do because Jesus is on my side. Now, that, that ain't what Paul's talking about in this text. I mean, look at the words he uses. Paul is talking about contentment. He's not even talking about being, being able to overcome his situation. He's saying, I've learned to be content. Now, for the person that struggles with power, hear me, contentment is a constant problem because power breeds the want for more, more status, more money. More this, more that, more friends, more fame. I mean, there's always this want for more. Power breeds this constant want for more because you want to win and you want to be on top. <laughs> Which is interesting to me because Paul to say this, I mean, it, I, I, I love reading Paul and I constantly call him the go-getter of the Bible. When you read Paul's status and you look at his resume, that dude had it. I mean, he was that guy. As a matter of fact, let's look at it a little bit. Chapter three, Paul reads off his resume. Look at these words. He says this. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. Also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. You got to love him. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a, a, a persecutor of the church as to the righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I mean, look at these verses, because we constantly read these verses too quickly. And we think about, man, man, Paul gave up a lot, of, a, a lot because he, he loved Jesus. But if you switch the lens a little bit, you can see my man, Paul, has some status. He was that guy. 
He was circumcised on the eighth day. According to Jewish custom, he was ethnically Israelite from the tribe of Benjamin. That means his roots ran way back. He, he's a Hebrew of Hebrews, which meant he came from Jewish roots and he knew Aramaic. He was a Pharisee, a teacher, and part of the strictest Jewish religious sect. And he was highly looked upon by many around him because of his persecution towards the Christian church. Y'all, Paul had it made. He was that man. He could literally walk in and out of circles, cross lines in society, anything that he wanted to, jump in and out of conversations that many of us or many people at the time could not do because of his status, y'all. But yet in this text, he's sitting in a prison cell and says, I have learned to be content. Wow. For many of us, including me, if we're Paul in this situation, we would be saying, this ain't supposed to be me. Uh-uh. I'm better than this. I, <laughs> and, and I can imagine that Paul at times said that same thing, which is why he says in verse 12, he said, no, no, I've been through some stuff. I, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Key words here. Don't miss it. I know and I've learned, which lets us know, do not miss this, that contentment is not something that is instantly just given to us. Contentment doesn't just happen. No, no, no. But instead... We learn contentment through circumstances. This means simply that we got to go through some things. Yeah. We got to go through some things. We got to bump our head a few times. We have to fail a bit. We have to not be able to make everything happen that we set our minds to. Sometimes we might not just have all our chips in order, if you want to say, family. We may not be successful at everything we do. And, and hear me, that's where we learn how to be contentment. That's, that's where we learn contentment. I'm sorry. That's, that's where we learn that. See, family, contentment is, is, is learned through circumstances. But contentment also has to have a focus. It's got to have a focus. And if your focus for contentment is always on what you bring to the table or it's what's in your hands or in your power to do, then hear me, family. You're always going to feel like you're not good enough. You're always going to feel like there's got to be a higher hill that I have to climb. That there's something in front of me that I have to get to because it's your you what you have in your own hands is not enough. Which urges the question of us. So where does contentment come from? Where does our contentment come from? To answer that question, I want you to take a look at this interview that I did with my brother, good friend of mine, Sam Acho. He's a 10-year veteran in the NFL. He's going to talk to us a little bit about this struggle with power and ambition. And again, as I wanted to do, the whole idea and and vision for this series was to see real people with real struggles still following Jesus. So my prayer is, as you look at this interview I did with him, is that it will encourage you, that it will challenge you and meet you right where you are. Let's watch this together. Well, family, uh, 
as we've been walking through this struggle is real series, I, I told you before, like, I, I don't want to just preach sermons, but I, I want to do it in a way where we can see real struggles with real people. And today, I got my brother, Sam Acho, I, my brother from another mother. I love this guy. Uh, we spend a lot of time together, um, have a lot in common. I've uh, been able to play football on different levels. He's he's now in the NFL, but he's got a lot to tell you. And I'm going to let you hear from him as we're talking about this struggle with power a little bit. So I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about himself. Sam, can you tell us a little bit about your background, man? What do you do right now? Where are you from? We'd love to know about you. Yeah, so uh, my name is Sam Acho and uh, Puck, me and you really are like brothers. We met a couple years ago. Uh, you, were, I know you were talking, I, I played for the Bears for four years going on ninth, 10th year in the NFL. And so we met actually at the Chicago Bears facility, spent some time there when you were considering being a chaplain there. And even outside of that, I got a chance to spend time with you and your family. We went to each other's houses a ton, which was great. And so, yeah, I'm from Dallas, Texas. I currently play in the NFL. I'm currently a free agent linebacker, played four years in Arizona where I was drafted, four years in Chicago where you and I met. And then last year I was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so it's been a journey. And to be honest, we talked last week about possibly having a conversation like this about not only struggle, but the struggle with power and ambition. And that's something that I've seen on a day-to-day -day basis, especially, or I talk about it all the time with the last dance, talk about the last dance and MJ yeah. and just this, I mean, this dude was amazing. He was a monster. He was just dialed in all the time. Yeah. And, and this conversation I've been almost having with myself is, is it possible to do that and also love God wholeheartedly? Wow. To, to be that ambitious and that wow. go-getter and that goal-oriented and to push your teammates. Michael Jordan was the greatest of all time, arguably the greatest of all time. Yeah. To be that and to watch the way we the watch to watch him the way we watch him, and also to love God wholeheartedly. As a professional athlete, I see it all the time. Trying to balance this, this almost like two worlds of a Christian world almost that says, well, it's a be nice and 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 be loving and kind yeah. and caring. But then you're in the sports world where they say, go after it, go get it, and win, win, win. And what I believe, right. and I don't, know if what, I don't know what anybody else believes, but I believe that though those two ideals seem like they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, I think it's almost like people call them co-concentric co circles. They, they really should match up. They really should match up. Wow. And so as a competitor, I learned this as a young age, at a young age, and this is not just in football, this is in within with churches or businesses or school as a competitor you want to be your best and you yeah, want to be at your best and i think about if you look at scripture god always talks about man i i, I give me the glory right yeah. god always wants the glory because god is a great god and i think we were made in his image and so we weren't made to try and go and get and take his glory but we were made to reflect that glory wow. and i think yeah. that when we play at our highest and compete and, and have that ambition, we reflect God's glory. But, <laughs> uh -oh. but, 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 yeah. but, but, I think we saw it, once again, going back to the last dance, when that ambition and that desire to be great and to be the best overrides your love for God and your love for the people you put in your life, you see, and I've seen personally, how things can get skewed very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Look, I should have just let you preach a sermon today, brother. Come on, man. I'm about to jump out of my seat. Just eight minutes. I love it. Uh, it. Tell us more about that, Sam. It's that ambition, this struggle with power, this drive to charge a heel. I mean, you are in the NFL. You have a master's in business. You 
travel, I think, every summer to Nigeria and doing work over there. Um, you've given money away. You give your time away. You serve in prisons. You've written, you're writing a book right now, um, and it's about to come out. I mean, tell us about that because there is a, a lot of times people look up to the person that's striving and climbing up the hill and making it big and doing all these things, so to say, successful. But then there's a dark side, too, of just the struggle with power. Can you, can you illuminate that for us a little bit? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think I look at my dad. My dad was born and raised in Nigeria in a developing country in a small village, but God gave him this ambition. God gave him a drive and a dream. And he yeah. uses that to he used that to come to America. He used that to go to school, to start a church, to start a nonprofit, to wow. do business, to do all these things. Look at my mom as well from Nigeria as well. That same kind of drive and ambition, so much so that she was a nurse. After her kids all went to went to college, she went back yeah. to school to, to become a doctor. So wow. that's kind of, those are my parents. So for yeah. me, being in the NFL is really not that big of a deal. They're like, all right, cool, cool. <laughs> so, so much so that my three-year-old daughter, she, she, she's three and, you know, my wife had, was having, having some, some medical issues last couple really weeks and months and even years. And we were at the, the hospital, even during mm. this COVID stuff. And my, my daughter got some gloves and some of the little doctor stuff. And she showed her, her, her grandma and grandpa, her Mimi and Papa. And my dad even said, oh, at least now we'll have a doctor in the family, right? Like that's the <laughs> talk about yeah. driving ambition. And so, and so there's some good to doing and going and, and, and getting, but there also can be some bad. I know for me, like the big struggle I've seen is never feeling enough. And I, mm. I, I struggle saying that. Uh, because amidst all the things you said, you know, NFL, going on my 10th year in the NFL, business honors program, Campbell won the national awards, number one MB, international MBA program, go to Nigeria every summer, working on a book now that comes out in the fall. After, after, during and throughout all this stuff, yeah, you would be surprised how often I sit and say, man, am I enough? Wow, wow. Am wow. I enough? And, and, and we, we talked a little bit earlier just in our conversations about about some of these very same issues like where do you get your 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 affirmation from and for me yeah, I used yeah. to always get it from people <laughs> whether it was my coaches or my teammates or my friends before I could even make a decision I'd have to yeah. run it by like six or seven people to make sure right. it was going to be the right one and I feel like recently God's been like no man like I am with you I am for you who cares what mm -hmm. everybody else thinks just listen to me and that's the if I want to talk about struggle that is the, the struggle I go through on a day-to-day -day basis. Do I listen to people or do I listen to God? Wow, man. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and we've definitely walked through some of that, you know, in the, in the years you were here too, and just kind of, man, I would, this is, I'm going I'm to throw a different one at you in terms of like what, man, if there was like one scenario where you could kind of just share, like what, what's that look like for you? And, and was there an instance and maybe in between seasons or, um, you know, whether it be family, just where it was like, man, I'm in this space where I, I make things happen, but I can't, just, I feel kind of like crippled right now. I can't do anything. <laughs> you know, what, what, what does that look like for you? Yeah, the first example that comes to mind was last August, August 2018. Uh, in training camp, had just signed a, a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract yeah. for the Bears. Mind you, I was going on my eighth year. Every other year had been a, a minimum 
like the lowest you can make in the NFL. It wasn't a million, just FYI, yeah. I wasn't a millionaire. And I just yeah. signed this big deal. And it just seemed like everything was falling apart from my relationship with my wife wow. to my relationship with my parents to even with my kids. It just seemed like something wasn't right. And so I signed that deal in March. Fast forward, I'm supposed to be the starter, get to the season, going through training camp. And we were expecting a baby. Expecting a baby. We, have, we had a boy, had a girl. We were expecting another boy in August. And, and so I remember taking the day off because my wife was in the hospital getting ready to have a baby. And she delivers a baby and everybody's happy and excited. I spend the night at the hospital. And I remember waking up at midnight, 12, 11 minutes after midnight, to a room full of nurses and a doctor and my wife screaming out in excruciating pain. And like, I've been to hospitals before, right? I go, you know, oh, let me do a hospital visit and this and that. And, you know, I'm an NFL player. I've done that. And I've seen the nurses rush into rooms. I've seen the doctors rush into rooms. But I never thought that could be me until today. And so I remember sitting in that room, my wife screaming in pain. She had something, she had, a, she had blood clots that, that were just so big, they weren't able to pass. That had to go and do another surgery. Mind you, she had just done her oh, third C-section. So she just done three major surgeries and wow. 12 hours after her last one, she's going to the, going to do another one. And they yeah. said, we need to put you to sleep. You got to go do the surgery. Otherwise you're not, you may not make it. And then wow. they wheel her out and they wheel her out. And it's me and my 12 hour old baby boy. And I just cried, man. I cried and I cried and I cried. And not only did I cry, I, I was pleading, begging, mm. bargaining with God, if you will, wow. saying, God, like you, this is not supposed to be me. That, that's, that's, that's what I said. Wow. I said, it's wow. not supposed to be me. And I, and I just had this conversation of like, God, you are like all I've been listening to, whether, whether it be like Bible studies with the team or sermons, or even when I would open up the word of God, everything I read was talking about God's glory and God's wow. sovereignty. And God yeah. speaking to the wind and to the waves and speaking to Lazarus yeah. and raising people from the dead and healing diseases. And, 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 and I'm like, God, if, if that's you, if you're the same God, then, then speak wow. to this. Like, speak to what, wow. why, why is this happening right now? And it wasn't this whole, holy, oh, you're so good. I was like, God, you do it. Just do it. And in mm. tears, please. Mm. And it was as if throughout my yelling, he said, he said, don't worry about it. Mm. Don't worry about it. And out of wow. like the reaction, I said, cool, fine, fine. And I remember just going and, and listening to, to a song called So Will I by Hillsong United. Pretty much talks about, man, if creation will praise you, so will I. If the stars will cry out to you, so yeah. will I, so will I, so will I. I listened to that song on repeat. And I said, I'm yeah. going to stay awake until she comes back because God, you're going to do it. And, you know, little me, like the disciples in the garden, I fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep. <laughs> and I remember waking up to go to the bathroom. And I came back from the bathroom. And then and there the doctors were bringing her back into the room. And she was fine. Mm. What do you do with struggle? What do you do with power when you have no power? Wow. What do you do with control when you have no control? The only thing I could do was to cede it over to God. Here, take it. I can't do it anymore. My hand's up. Uh, help. I had to cry out. Man, that's huge. That's huge. And that's, that's exactly where I'm leading into in the last question is just 
when you're in this space where you you know that it's out of my control, it's out of my power, you've already said, you know, you just kind of give it over to the Lord. Like, tell me a little bit more about that, like that struggle even to just let go of it, um, especially when you feel like you're equipped. You, you said it, like, this isn't supposed to be me. This is, I I, I can make this happen. Like, I, I've accomplished things. I can... I can do this. I, I feel that same struggle myself, you know, and it's like, what do you do in that? And, and what would you tell somebody else that's struggling with this whole power dynamic, um, especially in a pandemic like this, where everything's out of your control? We don't know when it's going to end. Like, when, when do we get back to normal? If you want to say all these different questions that we might have in our souls. And we're like, this shouldn't be happening right now. I was in a good space. And so what, how do you struggle with that, man? What would you say to someone else? I just, <laughs> how do you keep your eyes on Jesus? There's a song. So yeah. 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 There's a song that keeps, that for some reason is popping in my head right now that says, it is well with my soul. Yeah. That, um, that's good. You know, you know that, you know, it is well with my soul. And I think about the things that we hold on to, whether it is power or money or control or influence or a following those don't really do our soul very well. Wow. Wow. Mm. Those don't really do our soul very well. And I saw it firsthand. I finally had the contract. I finally had the starting spot. I finally had it all together. I was the guy. Yep. On the inside, my soul was crumbling. Oh man. Yeah. I was crumbling and my, my greatest best, most memorable moments in my entire NFL career have been, and I believe will always will be, the two months that I got released from the Buffalo Bills. So mm-hmm. mind you, in Chicago, I was in Chicago, four-year starter. My wife goes to the hospital, has to do the surgery after the baby. I get benched that year. I get injured that year. I get cut that year. Fast forward, I get signed to the Bills for two weeks in training camp in, in, August, in last year, 2019, and I get cut. And I get cut, and that was my first time in my whole life ever being cut from anything. It didn't make a lot of sense. Why am I getting cut? Yeah. Yet for whatever reason, God had taught me from that previous March when I had inked that contract to the following, following, following August, it is well with my soul. Because I realized I didn't need the contract. I didn't need the followers. I didn't need the NFL badge on my chest. I just needed Jesus. Mm. I really did. And that's not just not a, you know, preachy. I just needed Jesus. And what he taught me during those two months, I was saying that at, at the Staybridge Suites in West Seneca, waiting for a call. Wow. Waiting for somebody to call me. And, and too, you may know a little bit about it. Waiting for a call. Mm-hmm waiting for a call. And you know what? Nobody called. Wow. Nobody called. But you know who was with me by my side? Jesus. The entire, Mm -hmm. I I literally felt like I was on the clouds, bro. Like I felt like it was like, I don't know what tomorrow holds. Right. I don't know if I'm going to have a job. I don't know what my job's going to be. Yes, I have a family. Yes, they're with me. But we know how to do well with little. We know how to do well with much. We know how to have a big old contract and have no contract. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God strengthened me. Wow. God strengthened me. And so I will never forget, forget the sacks, forget the tackles, forget being on TV, forget the commercial, forget any, anything. 
But those moments, just literally like walking with the, I felt like I was on the clouds. I didn't know what, I didn't know what my next week was going to have, my next month, my next year. And this is coming from a guy who literally would look at his planner and have stuff on the calendar for four, five, six months in advance. Whether it's a game or a speaking opportunity, yeah. a book tour, or whatever, that's me. Right. And all of a sudden there was a shift to, mm. what is this, open hands. And, and I just feel like the more that I try and keep it, the worse my heart, uh, the worse shape my heart is in. The more I open up and right. let go, the more God's like, yeah, I got you. Man, that's a word. And, and that's something that as we end, I, I want to say to all of us is that, as he said, it, it's well with my soul. I, I've said it at Renewal many a times, but with Jesus dying on the cross, we work from approval, not for approval. The fact that he's, a, he's approved us fully on the cross. He thought well of us uh, to die for us, even in our sin, um, took it all to the cross and, and, and just said, I approve of you, not because God said, I approve of you, not because of what you do, but I approve of you because of my son. And, and because of what he's done, you can do all things. So whether we fail, we still succeed because of Jesus. If we succeed, it's because he succeeded first. And so the power that we have is become, it's from him. And so Sam, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much for your words. Um, that, that well that my soul, I'm, I need that right now and I'm going to keep it too. So, and I pray that everyone else, you keep that with you too. So thanks so much, man, for being here. Love you, brother. Take care. So family, as we end the day, wasn't that good? As you heard Sam's story, the remedy to struggling with a power an ambition, problem or struggle, like it isn't just to get rid of it. No, 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 no. Power, ambition, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you just heard through Sam's story, God has been using Sam to impact the world. And if you just take Paul, the writer of the letter we're looking at today, Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament and, and arguably is the greatest church planner that ever lived. Now, God can use your power and ambition, but hear me, a power struggle that is not humbly submitted to God is a problem and a recipe for disaster. See, the remedy and the secret to a struggle with power, as Paul tells us, it has to be one where we constantly kneel at the feet of Jesus, someone that is more powerful than us, where we acknowledge our struggle, saying, Jesus, you're better than me. Jesus, you know more than me. Jesus, you're stronger than me. But yet you still love me. And I humbly submit to you. I am depending on you, Jesus. See, this is why Paul in this text can say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It, it, again, key words, him who strengthens me, which again does not mean I can take on the world, but simply it, it means that, that when hard times hit, because they will, they are hitting right now, I can remain faithful and I can remain content because my identity is not in the world that I've created seemingly with my hands, but my identity is in Christ, who although everything around me is shaking, y'all, I'm strong because he's never shaken. So when I'm weak, I'm strong because Christ is strong. That's why he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because in comparison to God, we're weak. We don't have what it takes, but he does. And because of that, we can be content. 
knowing that he has it all under control. Family, we sit in the midst of COVID-19 and our world is in flux. And, and if one dwells on it, if you, if, it, it will drive you crazy because COVID-19 and the mess of our world, it's totally outside of our power. And when we dwell on that, it can be deflating. It can be defeating. I mean, just like Sam, when he's looking at his wife, there's nothing he can do right now. Or Paul, he's staring at his jail cell. He's looking at those bars. There ain't, there's nothing he can do. And if we think about that, what's right in front of us or what we actually see, it's defeating. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus and know that he would never leave us, that he's the same God that was there in the beginning, the same God, that same God is here now and he will be there at the end. And that same God that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Or as my grandma used to tell me, God has brought you this far. He sure won't leave you now. And if that's true and we believe that, then we can say just like Sam. Trouble might last even tomorrow. Or it may be there for a long time after this. But all is well with my soul. Family, hear me. God is all powerful. And he's still in control. I know the struggle is real right now. But as I keep telling you, God is greater. Family, let's believe that together. Won't you believe that with me? God is greater. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. You are an awesome God. You're good. You're good. And Father, we give you all praise, all honor, and all glory. God, we thank you that we can be weak. We thank you that you are still omnipotent and all-powerful. That all things still lie in your hands including our lives. So God, I pray that we can rest and be content there knowing that even if we're brought lower than where we are right now, or if we go up higher, God, we can be content regardless of what we have or what's done to us because you are the one who strengthens us. God, let us believe the words of this passage. Let them resonate with us. Let us not forget the word that's spoken today. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray all these things. We all said together, amen, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.